Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. We've gotten so many emails and comments since we did our last show on polling, and I've been thinking a lot about the GOP primaries, so I wanted to spend some time zooming out, talking about the race and what I'm seeing. Repeat after me, the polls are wrong and Trump is weaker than most people think, especially the pundits. So let's get into why we invited our friend Trigby Olson on, who has also been doing a ton of research as part of the work we do together at the Lincoln Project to talk about what we're all seeing. Trigby, welcome. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Alex, where should we get started? Joe, I want to start and just give you a chance to lay out your case and put the marker in the ground. Why is Trump weaker than we think? And, and what are all these polls and pundits missing? Just, just give it to us. And then, Trig, I want to get into some of your data. Well, I mean, quick take on this is, look, everybody's so convinced that Trump's invincible and that, you know, nothing's moving and he's going to be the nominee that it, the, the, the press and the focus has all been, you know, all turns to Biden. In other words, no one's asking, why is Trump so weak? It's all, why you know, Biden and, uh, and what the reasons are. And, you know, frankly, right now, the any polling is just basically that, a feeling thermometer. Right now, this is how I feel. And everybody's angry at everything. And, you know, the guy who's in, you know, in the Oval Office gets a lot of the blame for that. But a couple of things. So today, I mean, just to give you, forget the head-to-head numbers. I've been saying for, for months now that the ec- economic numbers, that it takes time for the economy when it's turning like this after a big downturn for people to feel it. So today, the Harris-Caps poll came out. Not Never a good poll for Biden. It's always, always leans pretty Trumpy in terms of what the results are. However, today, 42% said that they, they see the economy as strong, not somewhat strong. That's the highest number we've seen on the economy since February. People who say they're optimistic uh, about their life in the next year is up four points and getting to close to 50. And people who are happy with their personal financial life and think it's improving has increased six points. So this is what I'm talking about. The measurement a month ago or two weeks ago, and you, you know, I'm sure even in this poll on approval on the economy, it's still low because people are just starting to feel this and it'll keep growing in my view. But more importantly, Look at Biden's, uh, excuse me, Trump's, how weak Trump is. You look at, you know, Biden, everybody's talking about, well, geez, somebody should primary him. Uh, We need to make a change, you know, all this stuff. You know, Dean Phillips, every every poll has him around four uh, or three. And in some of these polls, there's a four point margin of error, which means Dean Phillips could be at minus one, technically. So that that's not happening. I'll go the other way. You know, in Iowa, Donald Trump, front runner, former president, everybody knows how invincible he is. He's sitting around 42% of the vote. DeSantis at 16, Nikki Haley at 16. Other candidates are getting votes there. You go to New Hampshire, same thing. He's around 42, 43. Nikki Haley's climbed into second with 20. But Christie is in second place at like 16. That's already, you add those two together and you're starting to see a real problem in Trump land. But no one's asking those questions. No one's asking about why is Trump weaker? You know, why is he so weak? Because he is. And I think uh, 
that belief that since he, you know, came down the escalator, he can shoot anybody, shoot somebody in Times Square and his followers would think he must have had a good reason is true. But it's eroding, I think. Um, And I think, you know, Trigby may have some, uh, one of the reasons to bring him on is he's been looking at a lot of this stuff and looks at the Bannon line. And I think that's expanding a little bit. So yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to get into that. But, you know, essentially, I think second place in Iowa is going to matter. That if it's Nikki Haley coming into second place in Iowa, she is going to defeat Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And the act of that, just that simple fact, even if that's all that happens and she's, she falls apart after that, which I don't think will happen, but even if she does, piercing that invincibility is really going to hurt him with a lot of his MAGA supporters. And I think in the end is, you know, that it won't fall apart. South Carolina's next. So I think Donald Trump's going to have a much, much rougher time in these primaries than people think, that he's much weaker than people think. And that all things, you know, again, the economy is going to start registering, as I just cited in that Caps, uh, Harris Caps poll. And so I think I'm very optimistic. We have to do a hell of a lot of work. We got to make sure that we we move the movable voters that I think uh, Trigby will talk about. And we also got to get get our votes out. And there, yeah, there's some shoring up to do with younger voters uh, because of what's happening in the Middle East. But I think over time. Uh, Trump will help us there too. Trevi, I know Joe mentioned that this that we call it the Bannon line, which I'm going to just remind our vote. Our, I'm just going to remind our listeners what that means is essentially there's a chunk of voters out there who would vote for Donald Trump unless they hear a very specific message, and that and then once they hear that message, which is generally about how crazy MAGA has gotten their overreach on a variety of issues. They basically move off of Trump and Republicans and are and are very difficult, if ever, to, to move back. But with that tribute, where are you seeing that? I know, I know your latest research has shown there's a couple of key groups that we really ought to be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, we call it the Bannon line and have be, mostly because Steve Bannon went on his podcast when the Lincoln Project started and said, these are really smart guys. And if they can get 4% of Republicans to abandon Trump in key states, uh, he's in real trouble, which he was. The reality is, as we've done a ton of research on it, there's really two pieces. There's there's two kinds of conservatives and former Republicans and even Republicans, currently identifying Republicans, who will place democracy uh, above MAGA. And they've, they've been doing this on a regular basis. The first group is what we call Dobbs Dads. About half of them voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. A lot of them show, well, I would say about half of them didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. They didn't necessarily vote for Clinton. A lot of them wrote somebody else in. By 2020, 90% of them ended up voting for Joe Biden. And in the 2022 elections, once again, at the top of tickets in places like Arizona or Wisconsin, they powered non-MAGA Democrats, created margins. And um, as you guys know, I did some work in my former life when I was doing Republican stuff in Kentucky. If you look at Steve Bashir's numbers, it's these same Dobbs dads. Now, the driving issue for them, to some degree, what really energized them is the Dobbs decision. And a lot of them are pro-life, but a lot of them are also girl dads. And they don't like the idea of 
government telling them what to do, and they certainly don't like the idea of government telling their daughters what to do. The second group, which is a little larger and is far more vulnerable to succumbing to Trump, are Red Dawn conservatives. They're mostly late baby boomers, Gen Xers. They came of age in the age of Reagan politically. That's you know when they were casting their first ballots. Those voters, Donald Trump, they don't like Donald Trump because he's uh, an anathema compared to what they know as conservatism of Reagan or George H.W. Bush, particularly on global issues. They find things like Trump saying Putin's a genius for invading Ukraine to be crazy. That said, they're free market. They are limited social safety net, and they are traditional in their cultural values. Trump has gotten about half of those. Part of the reason why Biden is having problems in some of these surveys, if you don't, uh, I won't talk about the progressive base and some of the base problems because Joe alluded to it. But part of the issue is Dobbs dads are currently undecided. Red Dawns are leaning a little bit more towards Trump than staying home or voting for Biden or voting for another candidate. And that's why you're seeing Biden's numbers in a little different place against Trump, I think, than um, they were at in 2020 on Election Day when he beat uh, Trump. Well, and, and part of that, too, right, is I mean, and these are snapshots a year out, but they really haven't been these groups you're talking about, Trevi, have not been campaigned to in a way that we know actually swings them. Right. Like they're not the type that would get the that would would just get a regular. Democratic base message that, you know, somewhat, for example, what Biden's on the air with in Wisconsin right now, talking about dynamics working like that's not specific enough or really targeted at them. I would argue they haven't been counter-messaged, Alex. Fox News, the right, is messaging to these people, particularly Red Dawn dads who live more in a Fox ecosystem. Um, one of the things that jumps out in the numbers is, particularly with Red Dawn conservatives, is the amount of, number of them that believe that Biden is the head of a corrupt family crime syndicate because they haven't been getting counter-messaging that that's just ridiculous. It is really important that there is sustained messaging to both of those groups about what the stakes are, because when they're receiving it, as they were in Kentucky, when the governor's race was going on, they are going back to placing democracy ahead of what they view as their partisan self-interest. Yeah, but what I would point out about all this is right now we're, we're seeing essentially a dead, a, with all this going on, it's essentially a dead, a dead heat. You know, the polls show, again, right now, I think the polls are, uh, are about, you know, how do you, your feelings, how do you feel about this race and not how you're actually going to vote? It's not a voting booth. And I think that you're seeing, so the Red Dawn voters, excuse me, where will they be at the end of this? We don't know. Right now, they're at a low point vis-a-vis uh, -vis Biden. Uh, in places like Wisconsin. I think that will go up uh, with work the Lincoln Project and yes. does. Uh, the same with, with Dobbs' dads as we get closer. The same is true when you look under the hood and you start to look at, you know, where Biden's numbers are with Democrats right now. They, the press keeps pointing out, look how low he is with Democrats. Well, first of all, it, it's the same thing. Right now, it's a free, it's a free, 
you know, to tell the pollster you're unhappy or that you're, you know, that you're not enthused about Biden, it's a it's an easy way to say that. I mean, to to get that off your chest. But in the end, as they did in 2020 uh, and in 2022, in the ballot box, forced with, I mean, not for, but faced with the reality then of um, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I think Democrats, it's a hell of a lot easier to get your folks to come home than it is to stop the other guy uh, guys' votes from coming out. I mean, that, that, that can happen here, but we're, we're in a situation where we don't have to, we're not trying to convince any MAGA Republicans to come over to us. They, that doesn't exist. We've got groups like Red Dawn and Dobbs Dads. Uh, we have suburban GOP women and, uh, and, and also some you know, college-educated and younger Republicans um, who are all movable, and by the way, will be moved further by what happens in this pro- in this primary pro- process between Nikki Haley and Trump, which will help us wedge some of those voters and keep them, you know, and grow the ban in line and and actually gain steam as Democrats come home too. That I actually, I believe right now, as we sit here, I'd much, one, much rather be us than the Trump campaign or the Republican Party, MAGA Republican Party, uh, because they've got a problem either way. Either they've got a weakened nominee in Donald Trump, uh, because I think he'll have a much tougher time in the primaries than people think. And um, this is sans anything that happens with the indictments or trials. I'm saying this is just, I think, the politics of it. The Nikki Haley out there saying we need to support Ukraine and that he's with Putin. Those kind of things, will, will, particularly Red Dawn, will actually move some of them. So when you look at it that way and you see where, like I said, the, the weak... One of the things that's interesting to me is that, you know, my experience has been people get like a quick answer to why. So, you know, why are you uh, disappointed in Biden? Everybody knows, everybody, the, the knee-jerk answer to that question is he's too old. In other words, everybody, it's, it's like a learned thing now, right? With Trump, it could be he's corrupt. It could be he's racist. It could be he's, you know, xenophobic. It could be, you know, it's, he's crass. Uh, he's a sexist, whatever. There's all kinds of different reasons. Some people, you know, he's autocratic. He's a dictator wannabe. So it's interesting to me that with Biden, most people, the thing they come up with is he's too old. That's it. I think in the end, that won't, you know, hey, our constitution's been around for 200 and something years. We ought to keep it. It you know, there's a lot of wisdom and experience in 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 Joe Biden. I think people are going to come to that conclusion after they get through all the hand wringing. So I, I really do think that when you lift up at fifty thousand feet and look at all these numbers and look at what's going on, that Biden, I'd rather be us than than Trump and the Republicans. And two, I don't think this is going to be some forty five forty five race. We got to get the knock down the third party stuff that's going on out there that's being funded by a lot of mysterious money. But if we do our jobs, I think Biden's going to surprise the margin over Trump. Uh, and that when I say do our jobs, there's a hell of a lot of work to do that. But I think that margin's going to be bigger than people think. 
Well, that kind of gets to the point. I was thinking about this last night. As you guys know, I was emailing you at three because I kind of went into a data place. But um, <laughs> the, um, yeah. you go sometimes when you're digging through data, you go down these rat holes and then you look at the clock and you're like, man, that was a bad move. But one <laughs> of the things that, that I kept thinking about is, you know, if every single person in 2020 who voted for Joe Biden, who's alive in 2024, and every single person who voted for Donald Trump in 2024 does the same thing again. Joe Biden wins by a bigger margin than he did in in 2020 just because of demographics, right? Like that yeah. is abundantly clear. There isn't a lot of people. There are most of Trump's people are staying with him, although I think there's erosion there to a degree. And Biden right now is in the unenviable position where, um, you know, Democrat, his base and the Dobbs dads and the Red Dawns can all be like, boy, I wish it was somebody other than Joe Biden because I see him every day and I kind of like what he's doing on some level. But I really wish John Kennedy would come back and when asked, kind of to your point, Joe, when they're asked, who would you vote for now? They're sitting there thinking, well, Biden, Trump, I wish it were John Kennedy um, and Camelot. But the other thing is, if you if you push into the numbers, like we just got done doing some work in some early states, if you look at the numbers in the one early state, which I sent to these guys last night, you know, it's 43-41 with a lot of people undecided. But when you actually take those undecideds, and you've asked a secondary question where you ask people to score from zero, I would never vote for the candidate to 100, I will definitely support them. And you compare Trump and Biden amongst those undecideds when you give them a choice that way, it actually, Biden goes up by half a point, you know, in both of those states. Those undecideds, to Joe's point, if not, if not given a third option, uh, if it's just a binary choice between Trump and Biden, most of them, enough of them probably go to Joe Biden. You know, the other thing about that, though, Trig, and I, I, I think you're right about that. But the, the, first of all, I think it may get bigger, even that, even that. But, but part of it is, look, the Trump campaign is being run by much smarter people than last time. They're much better. Uh, they made the right decision by keeping him out of the debates and keeping the focus, you know, keeping him sort of out of the day to day fray, which does, given the failure of everybody so far in the, in, in the primary to, to, to rise out of the pack, means that all the focus is on Joe Biden. There's no real, I mean, there, you know, and, and again, I think that's going to change. I mean, it, you know, as Biden says, you know, don't, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. Well, when Trump's not really out there every day banging away, and creating chaos and with everything he says, uh, which is normally the case, he's the focus. What's happened because of their strategy is the focus has been on Biden and these crises and everything that's happening. I mean, it's his watch, he's the president. But I think that's going to shift. I mean, sooner or later here, the focus is going to be Trump. He, he, he will be out there. Yes, he'll be at trial too, but he will be out there every day slashing away and doing his chaotic, desperate stuff. We all know he's losing it a little bit here. Quoting Hitler. Yeah, exactly. Quoting Hitler. All that is going, which is now just an occasional thing. 
because he knows only do it. But that'll be constant. You know, he, he can't stop himself once that starts from staying out of the limelight. And I think that that, again, starts to help us do what we need to do with the Red Dawn, with the Dobbs dads, with bringing Democrats home, with getting the people out to vote. And that shift you talk about with the undecideds once they you, you ask them on that scale. And uh, did we tell our listeners which two states those are? I just want to make sure that we didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't. It's Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure that people yeah. understand that the, those undecideds in those two states now by Trigby's, you know, the this, this scale that we use uh, shows that, yeah, it's a dead heat. Yes, it's close. But those undecideds, as we've seen in, in other polling, public polling, that, you know, those people who, who really have a problem with both or undecided with both tend to move to, to Joe Biden, which is another, I think, again, that will widen too as Trump comes more into focus. And I do think the Iowa and New Hampshire will also make some of the policy differences with him and Nikki Haley and others come into focus too. And I think some of those, like like the Ukraine uh, and, and versus Trump's Putin, Putin worship, it will help us with some of these voters that, that and the undecideds that move towards Biden. You know, it was, uh, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, Joe and Alex, I think you'll find this interesting. You know, it was Biden's best moment last week as it relates to electoral work, quite honestly, because of Dobbs Dads and, and Red Dawns, was actually the video of him walking with Xi and leading, right? He looked like a president, uh, a president from the Cold War era, but... In a, in a modern context. And the truth of the matter is, well, the Trumpies might want full-on conflict with China. Most Americans don't want that. They would like right. to see, you know, they, they don't want war. They want a competitive, um, economic, prosperous world. And, um, and I think that those kinds of moments help Biden in a few ways. One, it helps deflate the age thing because he didn't he didn't look old. It looked like two world leaders having a summit. He was playing in his wheelhouse and he was doing it around a set of values that matter for the voters in these key states, which are for everybody to know, you know, it's Wisconsin and Pennsylvania are number one A, number one A, and Michigan and Arizona are like 1B. In those states, with the voters that are going to decide this thing, assuming that the base comes home, which I would defer to you, with those voters, that's a really good moment. Well, yeah. I mean, look, the base coming home, it's the same thing that happened in 2022, right? 2022 right. Is supposed to be big red wave. Look right. at the economy. Look at gas prices. Look at uh, inflation. I mean, talk about inflation's coming down now. Back then, it was like skyrocketing, and you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and by all those measures, you're dead. It's a red wave. I mean, everybody who was saying that was uh, basically making the safe bet, right? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. right. <laughs> oh wait, you look at these economic numbers. They're they're going to get. A, there's going to be a wipeout. You know, Biden's is going to lose everything for the Democrats. Didn't happen. Did not happen. And what I'm saying, and this is what I, what's interesting, because we've gone through a period now after the, you know, with the pandemic and everything, where everybody is mad at everything, thinks the world's coming unglued and all this chaos. And 
you know, they've kept Captain Chaos under wraps, but he, 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 he will emerge as exactly what he is. And we're starting to see it the closer we get here to primaries and, and we'll see more of it. But what's fascinating to me about the, the Harris Caps numbers is in the face of all that, those people say, the number of people say they're optimistic about yeah. their life in the next year right. has gone up to, to 47%, up four points in the last few, you know, since the last one about a month ago. The same thing. People who, are, who, are, who say their own personal financial lives are improving, that's gone up six points in the last, you know, I'm talking poll to poll here. You know, in the face of the chaos, you know, in the world, I mean, you, you know, Gaza, the whole thing. And, and what I'm saying is, I think so, the, a lot of the things that have been holding Biden down, you know, the economy, the, the, those feelings are starting to turn like I've been saying they will. It takes six months. So I think they'll be stronger, even stronger six months from now. But the same point, okay, there's going to be a decision. There's a lot of chaos in this world. It's a dangerous place. You can vote for a guy who, you know, adds to the chaos, makes the world more dangerous, tries to destroy the alliances that are holding together to keep some order, you know, or somebody who holds alliances together uh, against Putin, who's, who is working every day to stop what's happening in the Middle East from exploding into a expanding into a regional conflict, making it the situation is a powder cake, but making it worse, or, you know, the bombast of, of Trump. And I think, uh, and the same thing, by the way, about um, the economy. It's moving, it's getting better, it's a lot of work to be done. But if you look at what's happening with the auto industry, with the auto workers strike, I mean, there's somebody on the side of unions, on the side of working people, in the face of AI and everything else that's threatening to, you know, to make jobs obsolete, there's a guy on the side of, of working people, and he understands that stuff and is working to do something about it. I mean, I think that's the, that starts to make, but, and by the way, add Dobbs and six-week abortion bans and everything else, and, and MAGA speaker, MAGA Mike Johnson and all that to the mix. I think there are a lot of, a lot of those Red Dawn and, Dobbs' dads did not sign up for a theocracy, uh, and sure as hell didn't sign up to throw out the Constitution and, and uh, make a, a dictator wannabe that you know that return him to the White House. So. Right. Well, and and Trigby, I thought you were going to say that President Biden's best moment recently was that we're getting pandas back, which I I'm, <laughs> I'm really curious going into the data how many voters are. are I know that's probably my number one issue. But honestly, it, it, it's a feel good thing. Feel good things yeah. are they, they at a time when people are pretty pessimistic. I, I wouldn't discount that. I mean, it's part of the bigger package, honestly. Yeah, no, but so, that's me. It's got, you, you've got the wisdom and experience of Biden, his his relationships in the Middle East on all sides and, and uh, his relationships in Europe to hold versus a guy who, you know, is a bull in a China shop rolling through. Uh, NATO and blowing up the the alliance and and at the same time adding to the chaos and danger that's out there, I you know I think that's uh, that's going to be really important uh, for a lot of these voters. I also think well, huge. 
But the other thing I think, you know, people go, Bidenomics, Bidenomics, it's not working. Why does he keep talking about that? Why do they keep saying Bidenomics? Yeah, you know, I kind of do agree with some of that criticism. But on the other hand, I think it it sets up. In other words, if six months from now I'm right about, and these numbers that we're talking about, people feeling confident about their own lives and their own economic condition and seeing their wages outstripping inflation, and, you know, and, and Bidenomics, uh, you know, what makes me think this is, you know, Reagan was out there, they were all preaching Reaganomics, but in the same time frame, two and a half year, or two and a half years, Reaganomics sucked. It wasn't working. People felt like crap. The inflation was still high. And then after six or nine months of the damn thing turning, Reaganomics turned into morning in America, much to my chagrin as a Democrat at the time. But I'm just saying, I'm not sure branding economic improvement, you know, sort of getting in front of it, even when people, when, when it's, when people go like, what is the hell, what are the hell are they talking about? I don't feel any of that. I really do think that, you know, that they will. Uh, it may take six more months, which is plenty of time. But then, you know, we'll see how people are talk, thinking about Bidenomics and, and Biden's approval ratings on the economy then, because I think it'll be much different than it is today. Right now, the, the downturn is what's in everybody's head. So, although that's, they're starting to see signs that people's thinking on the economy is improving. Before we go, and we're, we're running close to time here, I wanted to get to that's something that you guys were both talking about when we were prepping for this show was the idea that the, the Republican primary is likely to be more damaging to Trump than than people realize. And we got a we got a reader question about this actually, which was to to sum up, and I believe this was from Chelsea in St. Louis, but she wanted to know so all those people that aren't voting for Trump in the primary, if they're a Haley voter or a DeSantis voter or something. How likely is it that those types of voters are going to come back to Trump in the general? And should we expect some of those to stay home too, even if they don't go to Biden? So based on the data, part of the reason why the Republican primary could get interesting quick is you have all these people, and I would be an example of this probably as sort of a quasi Dobbs Red Dawn. Most of them have stopped voting in Republican primaries. So the piece that's left, even amongst these traditionals who are backing Nikki or, or DeSantis or the others, maybe not Vivek, most of them, probably about 90, it's about 92% of them would go back to Trump just out of party loyalty. Although that that amount may be growing to Joe's point. I mean, Joe and I have been on this case within the LP world for a while, which is filled with smart people that, that, that um, not that Nikki Haley could beat Trump, but she could take the race and make it go for a while that would really be damaging to Trump. And that's all about New Hampshire. Most of them will stay Chelsea, but what to Joe's point, Joe and I have been talking about this for quite a while. Somebody's going to get a ticket out of Iowa. If Nikki Haley takes second in Iowa, she goes to New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a different beast because independents can vote. And suddenly you have a whole bunch of them showing up who are those Republicans that Chelsea's talking about, plus a lot of these who have just said, I've left the ship who suddenly show up and vote. Now you go to South Carolina and Trump has been damaged because mm -hmm. the veneer is off. He's lost. And suddenly a lot of those people have a reason to go back and vote. 
Dobbs Dads, Red Dawns, uh, for somebody other than Donald Trump. The race continues, even if Trump gets through, now they've now there's a whole new set of them who've conditioned themselves. Well, I voted against Trump. Psychologically, there's something there. And that's the kind of thing that guys like us can really work with messaging to as that process unfolds. And that's why it's so important in that window to be providing them cognitive dissonance and reinforcing the notion that Trump is not the answer. And, and if you can get them even, you know, we talk about this all the time. There's two things that can happen. One, they can go in and pull the lever for Joe Biden. They pulled the lever for Trump last time. That's like two votes. Second thing they can do is just not vote for Trump. And that's still a vote for Joe Biden. It, I've been, I have seen, you know, this before. I'm telling people, I've seen front runners go through, on both sides, go through Iowa, New Hampshire. He is a very weak front runner. Donald Trump is. I have never seen one at 42. In those those states, uh, you know, I, I with Walter Mondale, we were forty nine. We were challenged by the second place finisher in in Iowa. That is going to happen to to Trump, in my view. And if you look at the history of New Hampshire, George W. H. W. Bush beat Reagan in Iowa. Reagan came back and defeated him in New Hampshire. Obama beats Clinton in Iowa. Hillary comes back and beats Obama in New Hampshire. Uh, Gary Hart lost badly to Mondale, taking second in Iowa. He comes back. Not only does he defeat us in New Hampshire, but goes on um, to really shake up the race and and make it a squeaker for Mondale to get the nomination. I I I just believe that when you've had all these people, both especially on both sides, say. Oh my gosh, I wish it was a different race. I wish there was someone else. The one thing that the, you know, and do not get into like, well, what, wait, maybe DeSantis's people would do this or, yeah. or, or Christie's people would do that or Vivek's people would, you know, it's no. The one thing everybody in New, ha in New Hampshire or Iowa right now and throughout the country who are not with Donald Trump and with one of those people has, has, has already made the decision that they'd rather have that some other person other than Donald Trump. When they're confronted with, okay, the person you thought isn't going to be it, but there is somebody else other than Donald Trump, I think more of them will take that door than take the Trump door. Even if you, on paper, they said, hey, Donald Trump's my second choice. And so I think that's going to start piercing that Trump inv invincibility. I think he will, there's a really good shot he would be defeated in, in New Hampshire of the right second place finisher. It's got, it can't be, you know. Uh, Vivek. <laughs> yeah, it can't be Vivek, but it won't be Vivek. And then I think Trigg's right, that you start looking at what's next. Oh, that's South Carolina. So if Nikki Haley is the person that comes out of the shoot in Iowa, does give, you know, maybe doesn't beat him in New Hampshire, but, you know, makes it a, 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 a real competitive and maybe goes by him, then you're off into S South Carolina. Look, their rules are winner take all from that point on. And you got a bunch of states thundering really quickly with Super Tuesday. So even under that situation, you would still give the, 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 uh, you know, the best shot at the nomination at that point would be, as with Mondale, who survived it and won the nomination, so would Trump. 
during that period, if part of that fight is, for instance, we need to defend Ukraine, hold our alliances together, he wants, he's with Putin, again, with these Red Dawn, with the Dobbs dads, with the, um, it all open up a, a wedge that, well, Joe Biden's for defending Ukraine, um, you, you know, Trump's Putin. So you start to see how that wedge can be driven by Lincoln Project and other people to, uh, to help, and the Biden campaign, to, to bring some of these people over. At the same time, Trump helps fuel our getting our base out. So uh, I just think um, if you've given all that, the one thing I hope you'll come away with this podcast today this episode is that we have a lot, hell of a lot of work to do, but there's a lot of reason to believe we can pull it off and that um, the polls are wrong and that Joe Biden, it, Trump's weaker than people think, and Joe Biden has a real advantage despite all the focus that the press has on, uh, on Biden weakest weaknesses and not looking at the Trump weaknesses. Yeah, I would just add to what Joe was saying, and that is, you know, the other piece of this that guys like Joe and I think about, if you're the, the command of the Trump campaign, you want to get through this thing, not having to put your guy on a debate stage. And, you know, you want smooth sailing because you understand that the biggest threat to a, a presumed front runner is momentum for somebody else. And to Joe's point, you know, you have somebody coming out of New Hampshire, just use Nikki as the example. She has a home game in South Carolina. Uh, if you're Donald Trump, you're going to have to go on a debate stage after your campaign team has told every reporter and everyone under the planet, including yours truly, that they will never go on a debate stage in the primaries. They will have to go on the debate stage. And the debate, they're not going on the debate stage for a reason, because they understand how damaging that would be to his prospects in a general election. So I think you're right. We're going to see some, I think we're 60 days or so away from this all developing, at least the way I think it will. And then I think the pressure's on and Trump's going to be, have to come out uh, front and center and be the be the center of attention that he has always wanted to be. They won't be able to stop him from. from I will from, tell you, Joe, you'll stuff. laugh about this. Over the weekend, I had a conversation with a Republican, one of the smartest and a Republican who served at the highest levels, who we both know. Um, and actually, he, he sounded exactly like you did three months ago about how this thing may play out. So, well, let's see. I hope on that optimistic note, folks, uh, get out there, keep doing the work. They'll keep doing the crazy. Uh, and, and we've got to keep doing the job that we all know we need to do. Uh, but I think Biden's stronger than people think. Thanks, Trig, for coming on. And thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy show. Trig V's on Twitter at Trig V Olson. That's T-R-Y-G-V-E-O-L-S-O-N. Of course, this podcast will always be free with support from our advertisers. This podcast is part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash Trippy. Uh, please subscribe to that Trippy show. Leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. The last few episodes have been among our most listened to, so keep telling your friends to give us one, give us a listen, and spread the word. 
You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in a review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Trig. Thanks, Joe.